Hello and welcome to Women's Biz Podcast. I'm Annie Gibbons, founder and CEO of Women's Biz Global. And I invite you to get comfortable and listen in on candid conversations I have with fascinating women from around the globe. Business leaders, entrepreneurs, humanitarians, athletes, and a whole lot of regular people. Tune in as they let their guard down and open up on aspects of their business and life journey, how they measure success, and what they have learned along the way. These conversations aim to inspire you to embrace opportunities and possibilities beyond the limits of your imagination. Reclaim your power, strength, and vulnerability. Stand in your truth and propel yourself towards the life you dream to live. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to our wonderful listeners. It's Annie here from Women's Biz Podcast, and I'm super excited to have you here today. And also joining us from Carolina is Morgan McCarver, whose life you'll find took a profound turn through scoliosis spinal fusion surgery. Oh, my goodness. There's nothing like something just stopping us in our tracks to give us these aha moments. This experience led her to ceramics deepened her faith and inspired her to run a successful pottery business. We certainly haven't had that on Women's Biz Podcast before. She's also the author of God the Artist. So I'd love you to join us today, listening in as we explore her inspiring journey, intersecting art and faith, and I'm sure a lot of other things as well. So welcome to the program, Morgan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and what a warm welcome. I'm happy to be here. It's lovely to have you on the show and I'd love to just dive into it. Would you be able to share with us all that transformative moment during your scoliosis spinal fusion surgery that I mentioned that led you to really realizing you did have a passion for ceramics? Of course. Um, So I've always been looking for a creative outlet I was really involved with competitive dancing at the time. Um, growing up all throughout you know, my younger years, I was um, dancing and I had such a community there and um, it's a great way to express yourself through dance. But um, like you said, I had scoliosis spinal fusion surgery um, at about age 14. I was in eighth grade um, And I had known that I had scoliosis for about three years at the time. I had been diagnosed earlier, and I had been wearing back braces to try to correct my curve um, or at least hold it in place. And it really wasn't staying where it needed to. The doctors were checking up, and um, it seemed to be progressing and only getting worse. And Um, it was going to start affecting my organs. And so for those who aren't familiar with scoliosis, basically my spine wasn't growing straight. It was growing in an S curve and there were actually three different curves throughout my back um, that were varying in degrees and getting worse and twisting as they were curving. Um, And so the doctors decided that at that point um, I had stopped growing, so that wasn't going to be an issue and I needed to go ahead and have the surgery. And um, it really just stopped me in my tracks. Like you were saying, it was a year-long recovery process. I have two titanium rods and about 18 screws holding my spine straight. Um, I actually gained about an inch and a half in height because that curvy spine straightened out. Um, But the recovery meant no dance for that year. And that was really hard um, because that was my friend group. That was my hobby. 
And that was really just taken away from me. Um, and I knew I couldn't do it for at least a year. And um, when I went back, I did end up going back to dance after that year, but it never really was the same. Of course, my body had changed and I, you know, there were new dance steps that I didn't know and my friends had graduated or moved on. So um, I was really looking for a creative outlet that was besides dance at this point, especially during my recovery process. And that's when my mom just signed me up for a kids camp, just a ceramics summer camp. And um, it was really a pivotal moment in my life. It really changed the trajectory of my life and the creative outlet that I found um, was pottery at that point. And I loved the freedom, the malleability of the clay. Um, it's so flexible and so bendable. And so I was able to um, kind of live vicariously through the clay, if you will. I was able to um, push the limits of the clay in ways that I no longer physically could. Um, with my own body and stretching and everything. And it was just a really freeing process. Um, and through that, I really just fell in love with it. That one class wasn't enough. I just kept signing up for more and more classes and eventually decided to um, go to college to get a degree in ceramics. And then from there, I've worked in various different ceramics fields. I've worked for um, a ceramic supply store as um, like help desk, troubleshooting, answering phones, um, answering kiln questions for people. I've taught private lessons and private classes. Um, I've worked for a potter as an apprentice in a way, a studio manager. And like you said, now I am um, in a studio. I have my own studio space that I rent in a community group kind of setting. And so I'm constantly surrounded by other ceramicists and I'm able to get that community in the ceramics world and bounce ideas off of each other and see what everybody's doing. And it's just such a great experience. Wow, what a journey. And how wonderful that you are obviously very creative, very expressive as a dancer, but to have such a huge uh, turn of events happen at such a foundational time of your teenage years, I mean, that is huge. I'm just thinking back at that sort of age where your hormones are going crazy, your friendships are everything, you know, you're you're going in one, one space of thinking, I'm, you know, maybe even become a dancer or, or use that as, you know, in part of your, you know, future and to be able to channel it in that way. Thank goodness for your mom, by the way, shout out to <laughs> who tap into their child and go, hey, just try try something. And I love that passion of, oh, one, one's not enough, you know, and, and when you find something that just really lights you up and, and you want to explore it more and more. I also love it, that journey, when it then becomes your business, and we'll get on to that, that you did end up trying all those different parts of the business, which is actually great because so many people kind of do something a little bit and then start a business and, and they don't know all the components. Whereas actually because you've done it so young, you've then gone and taken on those foundational roles, if you like. And so you get a really nice sort of perspective of, of the industry of your own business. So tapping into that area then, you then did ceramics at university, amazing journey. So you've really dive in deep. Uh, you've absolutely loved it. You've had those sorts of part-time roles, different parts of the industry, and then you've created your own business, uh, Morgan McCarver Porcelain. So what was the biggest challenge and joy of running your own business? 
That's a great question. Um, I think a lot of it, like you're saying, is not knowing what I don't know. Um, and so that can stem from many different facets, anything from um, figuring out how to submit sales and use tax per state because I sell in multiple different states. And so learning about getting the appropriate forms filled out and you know, crunching those numbers at the end of the month or the quarter or whatever it needs, because each state in the U.S. has different tax things that need to be done. Um, so that that has been a struggle. But just learning that there's so many things I don't know. So like you said, I went to um, a university for it. I went to the South Carolina School of the Arts. It's Anderson University in South Carolina. And um, they have a great program there. And I learned so much. And you know, of course, you're graduating college, you think you know it all. And then I <laughs> land this job um, working retail for one of the biggest um, companies shipping nationwide in the U.S. for ceramic supplies. And um, I learned everything I didn't know. Right. So everything from how to fire a kiln, how to um, take it apart, put it back together, how to troubleshoot um, electric kilns. Um, that's what you fire the clay in. And that's really similar to um, working on a car in a way like you can replace certain parts and troubleshoot different things and so that was a whole learning experience there getting caught up in um, learning all of those types of things that i didn't know before and learning different glaze techniques and recipes and things like that um, ceramics can be very scientific and it involves a lot of chemistry as well so learning those things that i didn't necessarily fully develop and um, in my college days. And then I thought, okay, for sure, you know, I've got everything down. And then I went to work for um, a potter in another state. Um, and I ended up moving to that state, actually. Um, but learning how to run a small business um, is completely different than running a ceramic supply store. And um, really working with her and learning um, how to update my website, how to make it user friendly, um, the best way to sell things, the best way to display a booth, um, all of those little things along the way. It's, you know, the things that you don't know even exist. So you don't even know how to prepare for them or learn mm -hmm. about them. Um, those can be the things that get you down the road. Um, so I'm constantly learning, constantly asking questions. Um, and that has ended up bringing about some of the greatest joys um, in this experience. I'm always applying for things that I I know just enough about that I'm really willing to take the risk, but I don't know too much about them that I scare myself off. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll apply to exhibitions um, or different like art festivals, things like that, that um, seem like a stretch. And I just apply because I'm getting my work in front of some amazing jurors who are um, masters in the field and who know what they're doing. And every time I get my work out there and um, have that visibility, then you never know what that might lead to. Sometimes I get accepted. Um, sometimes I don't. Sometimes it leads a completely different path. Um, and sometimes little things lead to bigger things. And so that's really just been like the joy of this whole experience, just taking the risks and seeing kind of where I end up along the way. <laughs> what a journey and what a, 
a great realization and for those listening in i think you'll agree many of us when we do degrees qualifications you think surely i've done this qualification i come out feeling invincible i know everything <laughs> and then it's, it's such a reality check when you then start applying it in different contexts and realizing how much you don't know it really is just the beginning so that principle of lifelong learning seriously uh, needs to be in all of us uh, for life but particularly those of us who go into business and then also your journey to then realize that it's so different in different contexts um, different stores uh, what a journey it is but how great it is to have those experiences and I, I, I'm sure you'll agree with me Morgan that you know those experiences um, are so so um wonderful because when you then start your own business you then got more more depth you can understand how it works in different contexts whereas sometimes if you just go from a to b you don't realize you know well, what it would be like to have a store or do something in a different different environment uh, and i think those those learning curves for you did you learn it yourself as in go online do business courses or have you done it more experientially or with mentors and and just asking people along the way a little bit of both um i actually have a minor in business i have a double minor in art history and business and um that was my parents decision um which i am so grateful and thankful for um they've supported me from the very beginning telling me to take that pottery class um they don't always understand it they don't understand the late nights i put in um but they've been great and supporting me in that way um, but they did say okay if you're going to major in art you've got to have something to fall back on and so i do have a minor in business so i have that side um the academic side if you will of um business courses and that's really helped me especially in marketing learning um to have that eye for um, what sells what the um, buyer is looking for things like that um but then also i really learned a lot just being in the field and getting that hands-on experience that firsthand learning um just how to how to do a show and you really don't know until you do a show what you need to do for the next show. Um, so it's constantly building on each other. And, you know, I got comfortable in my home state. And then from there, I started doing shows in other states. And so that opens up, like I mentioned before, different forms, different taxes, different um, little like registration type things to fill out. So you have like a tax ID number and um, everything just builds on itself. Um, mm. which is really, really cool because you feel like you're kind of like climbing a ladder in that way. Like, okay, I've handled this. I can, I understand enough about this that I can take on something else. Um, and a lot of it's just trying and seeing what works or, um, like I said, having a community is really nice. Um, asking what worked for them and, um, going from there and, um, reading reviews is also great, especially like for setting up websites, seeing what other artists are using. Um, if they're happy with it and then going from there. There's so much analytics involved. Uh, I love your approach to, if you know, start where you are and then go to another state, another state. It's amazing how many in one country, you're in the US, how different the different rules, regulations, the way of operating can be in different states. And some people don't realise that. 
Also, then you've got the physical sales and shows and and um, and maybe galleries or all sorts of um, opportunities for you as an artist. But then you've also got online. Have you do you sell your product online as well as in a physical store? Is it mainly online? Have you had to balance that and have you approached it in a really analytical way from what what the industry what your buyers are wanting? How have you gone about that? That's a great question. Um, I do a little bit of everything. I've kind of learned um, from my business approach. Um, I enjoy having my hand in a bunch of different types of baskets. Um, so I have work in galleries um, between the Carolinas and Tennessee. So I'm selling in physical locations. I'm in about nine locations now where I drop off my work. Um, they either take commission or I pay to rent a space in their gallery. Um, and I'm getting those checks every quarter or every month. Um, but then I also um, do festivals. So like weekend type shows or um, residencies, there's um, a week long residency in Blowing Rock, North Carolina, that's about two hours from me. Um, and so I'll do that sometimes, or I do that about once a year. And it's a really great experience. It's a great like tourist town um, where people will come in and shop and it's a great one week type thing. So it's kind of, you know, it's high stakes for that week, but it's not something I have to um, continue to uphold throughout the year, which is really nice. Um, and then I also do sell online. So I have an Etsy shop and I have a wholesale shop on FAIR, um, which FAIR is a relatively new website, but it's great for wholesale accounts. So different um, businesses across the country or internationally can shop my store and buy wholesale and that's a cheaper price for them. And then I'll ship that out in bulk and then they can resell it. Um, and that way I'm able to get into different states that I might not be able to drive to or willing to fly to for a show um, because pottery is so heavy. Um, there's really no point in flying to a show. But that way I can get my work in places like California, which is the complete opposite coast from me and um, make more sales that way and get my um, product seen and get more, you know, more business cards out and more people viewing my pieces. Um, and so I kind of do a little bit of all of three of those. And then also a market that isn't always thought of is I do um, juried exhibitions. And so that's kind of like an art gallery space that's usually set up for a certain amount of time. Um, it could be a week, it could be a month, it could be six months. Um, but it's a curated gallery that's been um, curated by a specific elected juror who's looking at your pieces and deciding um, sometimes it's a national show or a regional show. Sometimes it's local and they're deciding what pieces they want in this show. And it's another great way to kind of elevate my work and get that in front of people and also make some sales. Um, and again, I can ship those pieces to other states. And since it's part of a group collective show, I'm not trying to fill a gallery with only my pots. I'm able to sell or ship my best pieces that have been selected and they've got some prestige now because they've been nationally selected for this exhibition. Um, and then I'm able to get them to different states that way too. So that's a market that not everybody thinks about, um, but it's a really great experience and it can lead to some really amazing things as well. Um, it's definitely a resume booster. Um, and the more shows you're in, the more um, you'll be eligible for solo exhibitions or other bigger shows. Um, they can help get into different markets as well. Um, so I try to stay well-rounded in that way, um, just because 
Uh, I'm not like some TikTok star where something has just blown up in one specific area. So that way I have other areas to kind of supplement as I go along. Yeah, which I think is is a really great tactic to have, actually, not put all your eggs in one basket, just to be mixing it around. And as you said, some of them are very time intensive, pressured that, you you know, you, you, would, you really want to go in and out over a week or two. It's not sustainable to be able to be at that pace and that in, um, you know, um, environment long term. Uh, you've also got costs, you know, because you've got pottery that one, you, I'm assuming it has to be wrapped really well because you don't want to, you're not wanting breakages, plus it can get heavy. So there's so many aspects of your business that I'm sure um, are just such a learning curve for you. Has there been, what has been the biggest challenge for you to overcome so far? One of them has been just hauling my pots <laughs> around um, yeah. because I am a one woman show. I'm doing this by myself. Um, and so you know, especially with my back, I really have a weight limit. I can't really lift over 50 pounds. I just know that about myself. Yeah. And so um, I have to be careful how I pack things because, you know, I see a box and I just want to fill it. But if I can't lift it, then that's no good. Um, so really taking care of my body as well as um, working on pottery, that's a balance that I have to work on daily, weekly, um, just because of my circumstances and because of the physical nature of pottery. Um, even sitting at a wheel, there's a certain posture and you're holding yourself in a certain way. Um, and it can be very tiring for your muscles, just lifting, lifting clay bags and lifting finished pots, um, bending over to load a kiln. Um, and so that's something I've had to learn. I have ended up switching over to plastic tubs just because I did a show in the rain one year with cardboard boxes and all of my boxes melted. Oh. Um, <laughs> so I learned that one the hard way, but I'm switching over to plastic tubs and I determine the size based on the type of piece. So like I have a special shape for all of my mugs and I know how many mugs will fit in that box and how heavy that box is and whether or not I can carry it. Um, so just finding ways to adjust and adapt as I need to. Um, it, it can be one of the hardest parts. I feel like there's always something to adapt to, um, but it's also a nice puzzle and I love figuring things out. So it makes it fun as well. Yeah, absolutely. Once those cardboard boxes get wet, you'll never use them again. <laughs> no, and they smell so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is so hilarious. Uh, I love what you mentioned before, too, of the collective. This sense, originally, uh, earlier in our interview, you mentioned that you work in a sort of a co cooperative sort of space, which is really great. You've got creatives there together, but you also get to know each other and complement each other, and I'm assuming work with each other at different times. And then when you also go into these shows and galleries and opportunities, you're also partnering up with other people. And as you mentioned, it's a great resume booster. It's also wonderful for those connections you just never know who you're going to be put alongside and you never know where those opportunities will will then come from so it's kind of exciting you must feel like you're always on this you know you never know you're just on the cusp of getting discovered by someone or you know having that branding by association I'm a big lover of that whole concept that if you're next you know you might only have a few few products but you're next to someone else who's got a real following it can be so valuable so how have you approached that and are you acutely aware of the opportunity that lies within um, being associated with other people who are possibly further ahead on their journey 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it, festivals are really fun in that way because I really get to become friends with my booth neighbors. Um, and so I've made some really amazing friends. And then show season here is usually fall, winter, kind of aligning with Christmas and the holidays. Um, yeah. And so we'll be making, you know, I won't really see them in the spring and summer. We're busy making our pieces. And then um, come fall, we'll be beside each other or they'll, you know, have a different booth down the row, but I'll know them and I'll remember them and get to catch up with them. And so that can be a really fun community. Of course, you see them on Instagram or wherever social media. Um, but just knowing a friendly face at a festival, um, it can be so much fun. And um, like you were saying, making connections. Um, even this past season, I did a show um, and the show itself, it was a good show, but it wasn't what it could have been. Um, but there were people walking around looking for, they were actually in charge of another show several weeks later, and they were looking for vendors. Several people had canceled. And so they were really reaching out to us um, saying, hey, we really need you to come like fill our space so it looks like a good show. Are you willing? Um, and so that led to one of my best shows of the season. And so it's constantly um, networking where you don't even know it's going to be a network. Like I thought those were just customers coming by and admiring my pieces, but they were really scouting out some artists who they thought would be a good fit for their show. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's constantly things like that. Even um, the 701 Center for Contemporary Art that happened um, 2020, like right around the pandemic, it kind of ended up overlapping the pandemic, um, unfortunately, but we were still able to have the exhibition. Um, and that was something I just took a risk and applied for. And um, it's a show, it was specifically for those artists living in South Carolina at the time, which I was. Um, and it was relatively prestigious and I had no idea. Um, but I thought, you know, I could I could do what they're asking me to do. And the prize seemed really cool. It was like a residency opportunity. And so I applied for that and I made it in the top three, which meant I got to exhibit some of my artwork in the space with the other two um, artists in the top three. And so that was a really amazing experience. It was in the heart of, um, it was actually in the capital of South Carolina. It was in the, it was in Columbia. And um, just being able to take my work and show in the Capitol, um, that was really amazing. And um, I did not win, but I was the youngest to make it that far. And I thought, you know, that was, that was a great run. I wish I would have won, but that's okay. Um, but because I had done that, I had pictures of me being able to fill a gallery space and have pictures of yeah. my work in a gallery setting. And that actually led to the artist residency in Blowing Rock. Um, that I've mentioned I've done for the past two years. And so you never know what kind of networking you can do, um, even amongst people who like aren't potters, you know, other artists or other gallery owners or other things that you think this isn't going to go anywhere. And um, just, you know, because I had those pictures and I had some connections of different things for different events, um, I was able to get into like that show that I wouldn't have gotten into if I hadn't had done the previous show, or I was mm -hmm. able to get into that residency that I wouldn't have been able to if I didn't do the um, first finalist type thing. So there's different elements like that that are just constantly, it's such a web and it's amazing how many artists are just willing to help you and give you advice along the way, um, which I think makes it a really beautiful community in that way. Mm. Absolutely. And congratulations to you. I think that's 
absolutely incredible what you've achieved at a young age uh and I love I just love your attitude of you know give it a go you never know you know and um and and that's right coming third it's like oh disappointed we all want to win like anyone who's competitive wants to be the best and you you know it's 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 your desire to get there but also by being third one you're in that space you've had those advantages plus you also get very close proximity and and observations of well why did that person come second and why did that person come first and so there's so much learning in that opportunity when you embrace it rather than go oh well I didn't win it's like no but you you you, you were in a position which was a golden opportunity to really take you to that next level so congratulations to you for Thank doing you. that uh, I also want to talk about your book. You wrote a book called God the Artist, which has got such a captivating title. Uh, what inspired you to write it and how does the theme of faith intertwine with your experiences that you're having? So all of this started about the time I was graduating in 2019. Um, Anderson is a Christian university, and so my professors were good about incorporating our faith with our work. And I was really looking for a book to read. There's so many Bible verses about pottery that I was really looking for a book to kind of culminate all of these verses and um, give that ceramics Christian standpoint. And I couldn't really find what I was looking for. And so um, at that point, the Holy Spirit had just put it on my heart that I I could start working on something like that. I could start compiling those verses. And um, I had I had never read through the Bible all the way through. And so I began that in 2019 and um, I got an archaeological study Bible. It's the Eastern, um, sorry, it's the ESV version of the archaeological study Bible. And um, it just gives such like cultural references and other things, pictures that um, really help me understand what's going on. And I really just started delving deep into that and picking those pottery Bible verses out and um, interpreting them from my ceramics background and my background as a Christian. And I began taking notes and that's really how the book started to become what it is. Um, I tried to get it published in 2019 and there was one publisher who was willing to take a chance on it, but they ended up saying I would need to like have a ghostwriter and pay a lot of money and self-publish. And I didn't fully understand what they were even talking about. Um, but pretty much they were saying that the manuscript was not where it needed to be. And I needed to have someone come in and get it to a point that it could be readable. Um, and so I prayed a lot about it. And I just felt the Holy Spirit at the time saying I needed to put that on hold. Um, I needed to wait for more experience. And so in that time, that's when I went to work for the ceramic supply company. And um, after a couple of years, I went to work for the um, for the potter as an apprentice. And so I got all that experience um, that I didn't even know I needed, like we were talking about earlier. And um, then this past January, um, the Holy Spirit really said, you need to revisit that. And so I started revisiting it. I wrote it in about um, two and a half weeks, I started reaching out to publishers. Then um, one publisher got back to me and um, the representative there, Terry Wallen, he said, this could be good, but it needs to be longer. He said it needed to be about a third longer for the word count. And so it took me about a week and a half, but um, I pretty much doubled the word count to get it where he wanted it to be. And I sent that off and applied again. I applied and um, I just gave it to God. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen because of him. 
And um, it did. <laughs> and I was so happy to get that acceptance letter this past April. And it's just been a crazy experience. Um, again, I'm learning so many things that I didn't know that I didn't know. Um, everything from how to market a book, how to publish a book, how to um, be a host on a podcast, all these things that I've never done. Um, now I'm doing them. And it's just a crazy experience. And I'm loving every minute of it. What have you learned most about yourself then in that journey? Like you've got those times that you do it, you think you've got it right, and then someone else tells you, you know, it's not up to this grade. But then suddenly you've got this new opportunity later on and then you can do something in a week and make a massive change happen. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy sometimes. You know, for you, has it all been mindset? Has it actually just been you needed to know what was required? You know, what was the biggest growth opportunity for you? That's a great question. Um I, it depends, I think, on the situation. Um, speaking about the book specifically, I really didn't know a word count for a book. And um, so I just kind of had no idea. Um, and the first manuscript, I mean, I admit it was pretty bad. And um, I think that was a lot of things kind of culminating together. Um, I hadn't fully come full circle, able to look back at my scoliosis experience and see the good that had come of it and see that that was the moment that really led me on the path of ceramics. And um, that took a while. That took over 10 years um, for me to be able to get to that point, because before that, I didn't really want to talk about it. And so um, the first manuscript didn't really talk about my experience and how I discovered pottery. Um, and that's such a blessing that the Lord had given me to be able to understand pottery from a Christian standpoint. Um, without the scoliosis experience, I might not have not have ever picked up clay in the first place. And of course, that needed to be an element of the book. And so some of that was um, just me growing in a way to be able to accept what happened and to be able to come full circle and see, you know, yes, I'm not as flexible as I was. And yes, there's going to be things that I'll never be able to do again. And um, whatever it is, I'll probably, you know, always struggle with body image to some certain degree. And there's things that I'll always work on. Um, but I'm able to look back and see if that moment had not happened in my life, then my story wouldn't be what it is. And I'm just so thankful and grateful that the Lord had given me that specific story and honored that he's allowing me to share um, that story in that way um, because he could have given it to anybody. And so now I'm feeling almost a sense of catching up um, to I haven't shared this in so long and my story can help so many other people. And it's amazing how many people know someone with scoliosis or have had back problems themselves and um, being able to connect in that way that I haven't even tried to connect with fellow humanity for 10 years. Um, I really feel like now that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be sharing my story. Um, and so I think all of that kind of culminated um, in January and through different circumstances. I had a lot of free time and um, it was cold, so I was inside anyway. And um, it really just started to flow. And I think that's another thing about art as well. Everything's in a cycle. And especially with ceramics, you have to make it and then fire it and then glaze it and then fire it again. And I love that cycle. And I think that's the same, um, especially with my writing process. Um, I need that cycle of working or resting or revisiting and coming back. And I don't want to do the same mundane thing every day. I'll get so bored. Um, but the cycle is really what um, kind of refreshes me and keeps me going. 
Mm. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm just imagining the listeners um, listening to this story and, and resonating with your growth growth experience of realizing that you need to be in the story and what I mean by that is you know I'm a publisher myself and, and an author and uh, and often we get so stuck in writing the information what people need to know and it's the research for you it's that research into the bible research into your craft what you're trying to share and then that classic moment of someone going you know what's missing in this book you <laughs> right. and it's like oh how much of me should I share you know is that really a value whereas actually that's like at the huge part it's how how your journey your story has has put all those bits together and why it's meaningful and why it's powerful to the listener the same as those listening in today would be listening to your journey going oh it's really interesting to hear hear Morgan you know and and to find out why it's been powerful for you so um I'm so so thankful that you did have that at that um learning opportunity and and you got there in the end because now it's just the beginning of of that next chapter and and what I've heard in this this conversation today is just so many uh learnings and um, evolutions of of who you are becoming um as a as a woman as an artist um as a businesswoman you know to be able to constantly be assessing and modifying what you're doing why you're doing it how you've got other opportunities to grow and I think that's one of the biggest tips for our listeners to have listening in on this podcast so thank you so much for being on the program today it's been a really fantastic journey into the world of pottery and health self-care uh real awakenings with a business model um I think it's been a really fantastic conversation and I'm really thankful that you've you've shared with us so openly today Morgan yes thank you so much for having me this has been just such a great time I've enjoyed every minute of it fantastic thank you thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of women's biz podcast i'm annie gibbons founder and ceo of women's biz global and if you would like to fast track your future success pop on over to womensbizglobal.com where you can find out how our coaching media and publishing opportunities are helping women just like you to become and be seen as the trusted authorities in their niche Inquire today and start reining in the abundance you desire.